welcome to episode number 67 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick... Here we are, it's the road to WrestleMania, and there's there's not much going on on WWE programming to really hype us up for WrestleMania. Not, not a damn thing. As we're building towards Elimination Chamber... The I- only thing they've done so far is make the Elimination Chamber into seven-man. It's a seven-man Elimination Chamber because Jason Jordan got hurt, so that left Seth Rollins without anything to do. So right. they said... You know what? Why don't I just throw them in the elimination chamber and uh, make it a seven man? They will start it off with three men instead of two, with still four pods around. And it's a smaller elimination chamber, so I just think it's kind of stupid to add more people to it. But Oh, you'll have eliminations, I think, before... The first person's released? Yeah. You'll have a quick one, two, three out of, out of somewhere. Well, I mean, of the names included in the elimination chamber, I would say Elias is probably... Uh, to go first in the uh, I don't even think he'll get a song note out before he gets a curb stomp, one, two, three. Uh, we can only hope, Patrick, that... He's on the newest uh, ride-along, if you have not... I saw the advertisement. There's a ride-along with him, and there's a ride-along with the Shield or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, or it's the Balor Club. It's yeah, it's one it, of the two. I... Um, but yeah. Is it just the, him by himself? He is in the back of a fucking limo playing his guitar, singing to you all the way to the next show. I actually might want to watch that. That actually sounds okay. Anything besides what he does in the ring uh, as a wrestler is fine with me. I think he's actually really good when he comes out there and does his guitar and singing thing. And then... But when the bell rings, Patrick, it's a different story. It's It it all goes downhill very quickly for me with Elias Sampson, the drifter... uh, Whatever you want to call him, he is pretty terrible when the match starts. But what else do you have for us from the news desk this week, sir? Well, the only good thing that was uh, so far that has come out of WWE programming in the past few weeks, you can thank me, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I called it a long time ago, months in advance. Finally, someone is getting the recognition they truly deserve. Ivory is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, she was on the original list that was leaked for this Hall of Fame, so it's gone pretty... It's So far, it's been 100% accurate. So yeah. the only two names that remain, Patrick, on this Hall of Fame sheet are Bam Bam Bigelow and Kid Rock. So the they saved the best for last on this Hall of Fame sheet. So the headliner is Goldberg. Oh, they did announce Goldberg's going Yeah, he in? was first announced. Oh, yeah. okay, that's right, sorry. So you have Goldberg, the Dudleys, and Ivory so far announced. Biggest highlight you can pull from Ivory's career is losing to China in a minute at WrestleMania X7. It's No, she. Uh, I enjoyed also her, uh, her hardcore match with um, Tori, the very first women's hardcore match, when she took the, uh, the iron... She took a hot iron and scalded Tori's back. You can hear her skin sizzling. It was extremely disturbing, but yet it was a great match. Uh, I, I've I've always enjoyed Ivory, uh, her in ring work and everything. So now I feel like they picked her to just get someone from the Glow series to show up to induct her. I feel like that's pretty much well. Ivory is 90%. from the original the original Glow. Yes, she was on on Glow and then went off to one of its spinoffs. I forgot what it was called, but Tina Ferrari, of course, on Glow. 
And then she went to the powerful women of wrestling and the Ladies Professional Wrestling Alliance under Nina and Tina Moretti. And then, of course, debuted, yes, in 1999. After debuting, debuting in 1986. So quite a uh, long time between drinks for uh, one Lisa Marie Moretti there, Ivory, uh, before she made it to the WWE. Her first appearance was as a hoe. Uh, with Godfather. Yes. As uh, a few other divas would uh Victoria. To, yeah. Victoria would also be a hoe. Then had a pairing with Mark Henry and D'Lo. And D'Lo and Test. She would lose her second title reign to Miss Kitty. Which is the infamous night where Miss Kitty revealed her bare breasts at Armageddon. In you the, know, we have talked about that pay-per-view so much, we might actually have to watch it one in day. The, in the Four Corners evening gown pool match, which I'm sure they will include in the highlights on her Hall of Fame oh, speech. absolutely. Without a doubt. Before hooking up, of course, with the right to censor. And she was out of WWE by 2005. She eventually transitioned from in-the-ring work to being a co-host with Todd Grisham on the WWE Experience, which was a recap show. And then she was gone in August of 2005. So there you go. Ivory is our female inductee for 2018. You know somebody who's not going to be going in the Hall of Fame? Well, there's a ton of people. Cause a well, ton- one specific person. A young kid by the name of Rich Swan. Oh, yes. I don't think Rich Swan's name will get called for the Hall of Fame in the WWE anytime soon. Yeah. Him and WWE have parted ways mutually. Uh, it was announced publicly that he uh, they're just going to go ahead and let him out of his non-compete clause. That way he can go on about his life since he was found innocent in regards to the, uh, the arrest. Well, he wasn't found innocent. They did not. The DA never pursued the charges, so the char- he never made it to a courtroom. Okay, well. It was dropped before then. As Jerry Lawler can tell you from the documents released this week, that charges dropped and not pursued don't always technically mean, you know, you're completely innocent. Elaborate on, on your comment there. I'll get into that next, but quickly, Rich Swan was in a domestic dispute with his wife. Correct. We covered this a few episodes ago. We did. Um, apparently, he was criticizing, she's an indie wrestler, and he was criticizing her match in the car. Things got heated, and then he got arrested because he put her in like a headlock and dragged her back into the car, allegedly. Well, it all got dropped. It all got settled. But he was suspended immediately when it happened. Once the charges were dropped, I sort of assumed that he would be coming back. Because that's what happened with Jerry Lawler and his girlfriend in Memphis. Uh, same thing just about a year about a year ago. The exact same thing happened. Uh, Jerry Lawler got pulled from TV. He was only on the pre-show panel, but he got pulled for the same thing. It got dropped, and he was back within... A week. He was on the next pay-per-view, basically. Yeah. When they announced it as a mutual parting of ways, to me it almost seems like, I mean, 205 Live has gone in a vastly different direction. It's still not a priority of this company, and so I imagine Rich Rich Swan had some time to reflect on, do I really even want to go back, or is this a good opportunity to just leave? Because he had already been champion in the cruiserweight division. What more is there to do? For these cruiserweights, because as of today, there really hasn't been much for them to do. Once they get the title, they drop the title, and then they go back to working these cruiserweight matches on a show. They weren't even featured on Raw this week. 
Uh, Triple H has assumed control of 205 Live, and this championship tournament is consuming all the TV until WrestleMania. If you're not in the tournament, you're not going to be on the show. And so I imagine Rich Swan just said, I can make more money on the indie circuit. I'll take my chances out there. Yeah. And the company probably said that well that's fine cuz you know we don't want to we don't want to have you back this soon anyway after everything that went on. So I imagine there's some I imagine there's some truth behind the mutual parting of ways uh statement from WWE. So all the cruiserweight guys I really question a lot. They could probably be doing better elsewhere. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah, they could go a number of places. They're going to have to work more dates, but I just think there's sadly this entire cruiserweight project has failed, in my opinion. The WWE had a reputation for not respecting cruiserweights, and I kind of feel like that, unfortunately, has continued. Yeah. And while I think that they're making some improvements with 205 Live, it's going to be a while before things are all sorted out, and these guys are stars, you know. If, if ever. I really don't. I see it being a sinking ship to where they pull the plug on it. I think they would have already done it by now, especially with it not even airing directly after SmackDown, with it airing after the Mixed Match Challenge. I think they would have already... Enzo's firing, I think, would have been the opportunity for them to cancel it. And from what I read, it was almost... It was on the verge of being canceled, and Triple H was the one that vouched for it. So we'll see what happens with it, but I feel bad for all those guys because then they're all under exclusive contract and then they have to ask permission if they do indie dates i mean neville for instance is still under contract he's never been released right he's just sitting in limbo waiting for whatever you know because he travels to tv no he doesn't even have to travel tv he's just sitting at home yeah really i figure he had to at least show up no they just uh they don't want to let him out of his contract for whatever reason what I mentioned about Jerry Lawler earlier was the statutory rape case in the early 90s that got Jerry Lawler uh, fired from the company the first time. One of a few times that they, the WWE and Jerry Lawler parted ways, uh, David Bixenspan, who works for Deadspin, or sent, a, sent a request to the sheriff's office in Kentucky that prosecuted or that sought charges against Jerry Lawler and got all these files. And some of the files in there was like a letter from Jerry Lawler to the district attorney. And some of the things he says about his accusers are downright terrible. Like, you'd have to just go and read the articles. But anyway, like, but he's going to keep his job with WWE and Rich Swan is gone. I just... For those of you who want to go out there and check it out, it is on the uh, the World Wide Web. Yeah, it's over, it's over at Deadspin and it's... It's pretty insulting how Jerry Lawler treats these, well, to pen a a letter to the district attorney saying, oh, you can't trust these accusers, and here's why, and then saying, oh, it's because they do drugs and they sleep with black guys. That is um, a bad thing to have show up in today's society, and so, but so far the company hasn't done anything about it. I mean, well, he didn't use a specific word like... That's right. He didn't, like Hulk Hogan, of course. Yeah, like Hogan, who was immediately fired. Yeah, well, that's, I kind of thought when I read this article, I thought, well, they're going to fire Jerry Lawler because of what Hulk Hogan did. But yeah, I think, I really think it's because of what you said. They say, okay, well, you didn't say the N-word, so it's okay. And it was a long time ago, and so. Well, it was a long time for Hogan. It was like, what, six or seven years. 
Yeah, before that part of the video came out, yeah, with uh, Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. Everything turned out good for Hogan from that tape, though, uh, financially. But he still wants money. He still wanted yeah. a lot of money to appear for New Japan Wrestling. He did. He wanted $75,000. No, seventy-five or seven hundred and fifty thousand. Seven hundred and fifty thousand. sorry. Seven, he wanted $750,000 to show up. Three quarters of a million dollars. To show up. To at do one appearance. Wrestle Kingdom last month in New Japan as a member of Bullet Club, and they told him no. Yeah, I would have told him no, too. That's ridiculous. You know why, brother? Because I'm fucking Hulk Hogan. I don't know how you could justify that price, but we talked about last week Ric Flair and Hogan charging... You know, two or three hundred dollars oh for tickets to listen to him talk. So this guy doesn't work cheap, Patrick. No, he doesn't. You know what? We might just—I might reach out and have him come on, come on here and talk with us. Yeah, well, you're gonna have to save up. I think we'll let him. Uh, we'll see what he has to say. How, how does that sound? Uh, well, I don't have seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for him. So well, we're not. He's not gonna be getting in the ring here. He's just gonna. Be oh, like, there's not a camera around, so maybe he'll do it for like a hundred grand. So yeah, I don't. I don't have that either. I'm yeah. afraid. If you want a picture or an autograph, brother, it's gonna be two hundred grand. But, Not uh, surprising with his history of, uh, with what he was paid in WCW and quite frankly, everything he's done since then, it doesn't come as a shock that no, he I, asked for that much money. I've, listen, I, we've, like, I've said it a hundred times over. We give Hogan so much shit on this show, but really and truly, deep down, everybody loves Hogan. Let's be honest. Everybody's a Hulkamaniac. Yeah. Deep down. Deep down. We all said our prayers. We all took our vitamins. Yeah. We did. We owe our lives. We to drank. Hogan. We drank our uh, protein. Our shakes. protein shakes. We so. took our twelve vitamins in quotation marks before we did it. Speaking of money, I am just shocked and outraged because there's a story floating around. I I believe it originated from Sports Illustrated, uh, SI.com. Uh, one of the reporters there reported that Dolph Ziggler was re-signed to the WWE for. Two years at $1.5 million. Are you fucking kidding me? No, that's exactly what I said, too. I cannot believe this. Wow. He is terrible. You know, we did our worst of and best of a few weeks ago, and I I mentioned how much I dislike Baron Corbin. Actually, I think I dislike Dolph Ziggler more because... If I, D- Dolph Ziggler was mine, was he not? My pick is... He definitely was in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. If he wasn't one of our picks, he was yeah. definitely in the conversation. I think he's better than Baron Corbin in the ring, but everything else about him and his character and his promos and the way he talks, for me, it's just changed the channel instantly when he comes his on. Biggest, his biggest high was when he was with uh, Vicky Guerrero for that few months. Well, when he, he cashed in the, the money in the bank. Yeah, and he won the title. And around that time, I actually was behind him he had some steam and i was like oh this this kid's gonna be good you know here today gone tomorrow back to the same old bs he's terrible man i I, he's just so bland i think is my biggest problem with dolph well he's the exact same hey if you look he's he's done nothing he's billy well he's billy gunn from oh he's billy gunn mixed with a little bit of Shawn michaels because he does the super kick and all that stuff yeah and he wears tights that look just like Shawn Michaels' old tights. But, yeah, Dolph Ziggler sucks. And I can't believe that they, number one, re-signed him for any amount of money. But, number two, re-signed him. If they paid him anywhere close to that amount, even if it's not 
that amount because Dave Meltzer seems to think like one million is usually the maximum for someone like Dolph Ziggler. But even if it's a million dollars, my goodness, what a waste of fucking money! I wouldn't money. give him five hundred thousand for a year's worth of work. Yeah, you would pay him less than one Hulk Hogan appearance. Yeah, and and this was I saw this on X Pac's podcast. X Pac heard a rumor that in the contract, when he's on TV, whenever his match is done, he's allowed to leave. Like he had it specifically written into his contract where he can just hop in a car and go. He he doesn't have to wait till the end of the show. No, he can just fuck right off. And and what's funny is that knowing how Dolph Ziggler is booked, his match will be first or second or whatever he does will be early on in the night. So he'll be done at eight fifteen. And be on the plane back to Cleveland or wherever he lives in no time. But fuck this guy. I just, there's a million other people, a million dollars, a million and a half dollars. Think of what you could get with that. And that's what Dolph Ziggler gets paid to show up and not entertain anybody. You know who's entertaining? Who should get a million and a half dollars? My boy James Ellsworth. Oh, I was going to say Jim Cornette, but... Oh, well, yeah, Jim Cornette for sure, but... James Ellsworth, yes, well... He went on Pro Wrestling Hollywood and challenged Nick Aulis for... A.K.A. Magnus from TNA. Mr. James. Mr. Mr. Mickey James, Mr. Mickey James. It must make him very bitter at home, (laughs) knowing that his wife... Well, she was in WWE before he was even on TNA, so I guess... He can't be too upset because she was a star long before. There's a seven-year age difference between them. So yes, uh, she was probably in the WWE main main eventing the women's scene while he was still wrestling in high school. So right. They didn't meet till later on towards the end of uh, both their impact of, runs. Yeah, yeah, their impact runs. Um, but he walks out. And challenges. Open challenge. For the NWA World Heavyweight title. You know what? Nick accepts it. And so, um, here we go. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. My boy James Ellsworth is going to become on that. He's going he's gonna to be on that very, that very elite list of Dusty Rhodes, Rick Ric Flair, Flair yeah. Ricky Steamboat, Terry Funk, Harley Race, the Briscoe Brothers. You know, he's going to be up there with some of the best ever. Yeah, no, nah, he didn't pull it off. But you know what? Any man with two hands. He had a fighting chance. Patrick. Had a fighting chance. So It's on YouTube now, so you can check it out as Billy Corgan and his folks at the NWA uh, still haven't figured out what to do yet, so they're just posting matches to YouTube. I will say, though, uh, we watched the video right before we started recording. The video quality looked pretty good. I mean, it was in a crowd of 30 people. Pro, Pro Wrestling Hollywood is a show out of Hollywood, California that is a, uh, it's a weekly televised show. And basically, Billy Corgan has just walked in there and decided to use it as his, uh, his main TV for the, uh, for the NWA. Anything else from the news desk this week? That's all I got, man. Well, we can get into my pick for this week. It's... WWF Wrestling's bloopers, bleeps, and... I can't say it. It's... The title alone makes you commit a blooper, as Gorilla Monsoon found out. It's WWF's bleepers... No, it's not bleepers. (laughs) 
WWF bloopers, bleeps, and body slams. Good. I'm glad it doesn't throw you off. I'm the only one that's thrown off by this. It's 1985, and guess what, guys? It is the first ever Coliseum home video release. It's a historic occasion. It is. Because this is still the... uh, the early days. I mean, WrestleMania had just happened. Yeah, and so, so I was I was going to take notes. I was talking to you about this before we went on the air. I was uh, I was going to take notes, hit some bullet points on this uh, on this review show. Um, there was nothing to bullet point here. I know you did, and I figured what I'll do is I'll let you hit the bullet points and I'll play off of it. Because really and truly, it's it's an hour and 15 minutes of some of the most hilarious things you will see. Well, towards the end. Up, up until the end. I don't even know if I'd call most of the things on this hilarious. This came out April 12th, 1985, according to... The network page. So this is a month after WrestleMania. This might have beaten the WrestleMania <laughs> VHS to the shelves. So that's pretty crazy to think about. And really, what it should have been called is like the best of Tuesday Night Titans because that that's is what the this most, was. Yeah. The majority of the clips on here are from Tuesday Night Titans. It ran from 1984 to 1986. It ran for 100. Well, it ran for 99 episodes. They've all been uploaded to the network except for one episode. There's one episode missing. What episode is that? Episode 31 is the missing link in all the episodes. Why is that? What was I that? don't know. I looked it up. It wasn't I'm curious now. Why is episode 31 missing? <laughs> I don't know if it was just some oversight by the people that are uploading this stuff, but this is this is bothering me. We need to find... It might have been uploaded by now. Let me see. No, it's still missing. Episode 31. Of Tuesday Night Titans. Still from missing. April 26, 1985. That, that tape, for whatever reason, they deemed... The only reason I can think that it's not on here is because... From what I read about the episode description, Alfred Hayes comes out in a bathing suit, and I don't know if it's some sort of, like, revealing... There's a bikini contest on this episode, oh, and okay. Alfred Hayes, whatever he had on, I don't know if it's revealing or what the, the ladies had on. There's some reason why episode 31 is missing. We need to look it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's somewhere on here. The one link I found to it, it had already been deleted. So the the company really doesn't want us seeing episode thirty one for whatever reason. Of Tuesday Night Titans. Yes, of <laughs> of the ninety nine episodes, this is the one you can't see this, even though we've seen tons of worse stuff on the network. Oh yeah, tons. Katie Vick is on the network. That yeah. So of course this starts the Coliseum home video era, who would produce these. Videos, all the videos for WWF until somewhere along the late 90s, I would imagine. Up until DVDs really took over. I think up until right at 2001, 2002. Since it is 1985, we start with a Star Wars-style intro about how wrestling has evolved since the beginning of time. This is a very serious thing. It has. And it's evolved from the cavemen wrestling up until now. Now the action is nonstop, Patrick. Cavemen wrestling over meat and fire, and then 
We go on to not Sean Stasiak, but actual meat. Yes. Then we go on to to the uh, the gladiators and and the Roman coliseums, and we're 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 wrestling over over pride and respect and women and who is going to be my wife and we're you know the loser then ends up having to face the uh the dreaded tiger and lion and uh and uh it's just very very tragic then we move <laughs> on into the greco-roman era when it was and now we are here <laughs> we are here to 1985 yes things have really evolved at a very fast paced rate that that five thousand years it went by like nothing, like like just like a flip of a light switch. Then we have a sizzle reel of all the slams. Yes, of today. Yes, nineteen eighty five. This is your body slams of bloopers, bleeps, and body slams. Gorilla Monsoon, he's going to host this video from WWF Video Control, which behind him is one video monitor playing a Hulk Hogan match, and that is what Video Control looked like at Titan Sports Towers in 1985 was one single video playing behind him. The control room would look very different now, Gorilla. And Gorilla looking very young here. Yeah, Gorilla did look very young. Even though he still looked old. He's one of these people that looked old even when they were young, and then when he got old, he didn't look that much older because he always looked sort of old. He was uh, one, one of these people that... Like Gene Okerlund, to me, always looks old, you know. And now he's old, he, now he actually is pretty old. Yeah. But he doesn't look that different than he did thirty years ago because nah. he's always looked sort of old. The first outtake Gorilla throws us to is an outtake of himself screwing up the intro to this video, just like I screwed up the intro to this podcast. Here in the official WWF home video series, which we've named. Wrestling's bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, you'll be treated to a collection of hilarious surprises. Surprises that can only come to you from the stars of the World Wrestling Federation. For instance, here in volume one of the WWF home video series, which we've named bloopers, bleeps, and bloody body slams. Blew that one, didn't I? Come on, guys, give me a break. <laughs> so, nothing too surprising here. We go to a six-man tag from the Philadelphia Center. Yeah. The Philadelphia Spectrum. I was... Oh, I was, it's a 10-man. Sorry. It's a 10-man tag. Sorry. Yes. With Team Andre the Giant versus Team Don Morocco. Don Morocco. He uh, comes into the ring and he accidentally runs into Andre's ass. He does, which is hilarious. And he sells it like he'd been shot... In his upper shoulder, because well, the cell. That's like hitting a brick wall. Andre's giant ass, the biggest ass cheeks in the world. There are no bigger that you can run into. That's true. Well, Rikishi, maybe. That is true. Well, <laughs> we didn't know it at the time that there were bigger ass cheeks out there, but <laughs> Don Morocco, the first hilarious blooper, he bumps off of Andre's ass. Then we go to Tuesday Night Titans. Where we will be going quite a bit. Yes. Get used to it, folks, because they weren't even outtakes. They were just segments of Tuesday Night Titans, which was kind of a bummer because I wanted to see outtakes. I thought there were, there would be more outtakes. Yeah. It turns out like the one outtake is the one from Gorilla Monsoon right off the top. Yeah. That's your bloopers that you're going to get. 
This is, of course, the uh, Love Letters segment from Uh-oh. Tuesday Night Titans, and it's with Classy Freddy Blassie. You pencil neck geeks. The pencil neck geeks need to uh, learn some lessons about love. And Freddie Blassie is here to tell them. The, the highlight for me from this Freddie Blassie segment was the last letter that Vince reads to classy Freddie Blassie. It's a 60-year-old who's never started dating anybody, and she's ready to get into the field. And so it's a leading question, so you would think that F- Freddie Blassie would say, well, I'll give it a go. Yeah. But no. He's a heel till the bitter end. Kayfabe runneth deep in his veins, Freddie Blassie, and he says, yeah, you know who I think would be good for them? Sergeant Slaughter, Tito Hulk, Santana. Hulk Hogan. The Tonga Kid, who's 18 years old, and so <laughs> that was the highlight of this segment. Dear TNT, I'm 60 years old, and I've had limited experience with men. However, I, I, however... How old is she? Yeah, she's 60. However, I feel that now I'm ready to take the plunge. I have a nice pair of legs, a very firm waist, and a burning desire to meet a wrestler. Can you suggest anyone for me? Well, I've got a couple fellas in mind. Well, firstly, uh, you know, she's... Yeah. Somebody, She's 60 I mean, years old. I, there are very few wrestlers that are 60 years well, old. Well, no, I'm not saying you don't have to be 60 years old. You know, as long as a little bit of fire and spark burning in that oven, makes no difference if you're 70, 80 years old. You never lose that desire. Well, this lady is ready to take the plunge. She's ready well, to take the plunge. Who do you suggest? Oh. I mean, can you think of a, anyone that, you know, offhand that... Yeah, yeah, I can think of a couple guys. <laughs> Who would that be, Mr. Blassie? Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, my goodness. I don't think so. Tito Santana. Oh, Mr. Blassie, hardly. Hulk Hogan. Oh, give me a break. The Tonga Kid. Tonga Kid? He's 18 years old. Well, he's got a lot of life in him. He'd be good for the old lady. We thank the you, Samoans. Mr. We thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Blassie. This will be a very clip-heavy edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast, as there's no... I'd rather just play certain clips than talk about it. But I think our fans would love that. Then we go to our next in-ring blooper, which is Iron Mike Sharp wrestling a jobber who wears a toupee, Patrick. He does, yes. Bad idea in pro wrestling. Yeah. Just shave your head bald like Austin be done with it. He lost his toupee in the middle of the match. He did. Very quickly. Now, this is my highlight of the entire video coming up next. This is my favorite segment from this entire video. Gorilla Monsoon explains to us that he bought the wrong kind of brick for Tiger Chung Lee to break. Tiger Chung Lee could break bricks with his karate chops, so... Supposedly. Allegedly. Allegedly. I have not seen this ever done by him, but... uh Apparently, he was capable. Allegedly, yeah. Based on this clip, I'm, I'm doubtful. I am doubtful now, too, yes. Because, well, you have classy Freddie Blassie talking to uh, Vince McMahon. And, and, you know, Tiger Ali, is, he's setting him up. and he's, Tiger Chung. Or Tiger Chung. He's setting him up, and he's, wah-pah! <laughs> wah-pah! 
whoop. And I mean, I would have thought he broke his hand by now after at least the third one. And he just keeps pounding away at these bricks. And they, these are Japanese bricks. They have to be. They have to be Japanese, the Japanese tables, you know. They have to be Japanese bricks because these damn things wouldn't break no matter what he did, no matter how hard he pounded on it, they wouldn't break or give a damage. Now, I felt bad for the guy, but it was funny because he would not give up. No, he was, I mean, he was chopping the hell out of it. I'm surprised, literally, like I said, after the third one, he hadn't broken his hand. Oh, well, wait a minute. I'm not so certain about that one. All right, Mr. Blassie, nonetheless, I must say we have been most impressed thus far. Freddie Blassie, along with Tiger Chung Lee, his latest find. Here he goes. One more time. And stay with it is almost and All right. Thank you for joining us. Freddie Blassie and Tiger Chung Lee. Thank you. Nope. What was funny to me is, so he had the bricks, he would put one brick horizontally across two bricks to hit it. So after that failed for the first two bricks, on the third one, he just kind of leans it against the other one. And this is the most futile attempt of all of them. I'm like, there's if you didn't do it on those two, this is an even worse angle that you're yeah. trying here. Wapow! <laughs> fucking misses it again, you know, doesn't break it. And by now, Vince has to turn away from the camera and basically, because he's laughing. And yeah. so, and he gets, Freddie Blassie then like covers by barking out some fake Korean uh, speaks gibberish into the microphone. So this is my actual. This actually made me laugh just because yes. I felt so bad for. Uh, well, then he Tiger just Chung he Lee. started just propping it up with his hand too, and, and trying to like holding it up <laughs> at an angle and chopping it with his hand like he was chopping a red oak tree or something. It was bad. It was really. It was very, very bad for for him. Very hilarious for us though. We go to a few clips of Captain Lou, Captain Lou Albano, Super Mario himself. He would be featured quite heavily in this uh, VHS. So after the clips from Captain Lou, it's time for a pose down, of course. Uh Uh-oh. With Tony Atlas. Mr. USA himself, Tony Atlas, taking on none other than Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, in a pose down. Who will win this pose down in like a dinner club. It's not in the ring. This is just like Vince booked a dinner club just to have a pose down. It was yes. really yes. odd. Yes. But Tony Atlas, who I mentioned here, his back knee. He had a ton of back knee, this guy. Well, you know why, right? We all know why. Okay. It's pretty self-explanatory. But, yeah. Tony Atlas, man, his back knee is just tough to look at. He's challenged by Paul Orndorff. Vince says, it's time for the audience to pick, which is pretty easy to tell who won because Tony Atlas actually looked like he knew what he was doing. I mean, he had all the moves down. 
I don't judge bodybuilding contests, but I thought it was a, a runaway. Well, I thought that, you know, it was me up there just in darker skin because that's exactly <laughs> how I look. And uh, I, I feel like it would have been absolutely me winning that pose down had I been there. That's all I'm saying. Orndorff not happy with the result from the audience vote. He says, uh, no, Vince, don't you think that was a quick count? You know, you got to give the audience more time to vote. Yeah. And uh, as they're discussing maybe perhaps restarting this whole thing, uh, Orndorff jumps Atlas and smashes him through the dinner set. So. He does. All the tables are turned over. Chairs th- thrown everywhere. The tables have literally turned. They have. Vince even takes a shove from Orndorff. So had Orndorff only known what Vince looked like under that jacket, he wouldn't have fucked with that guy. <laughs> Atlas hilariously picks up the mic and says, "What's wrong with him, Crazy Loon?" Now we go to another Tuesday Night Titan highlight. Vince McMahon saying TNT repeatedly, which he wouldn't get to say again until 2001 when he bought WCW. We get another Tuesday Night Titan highlight. This time it's Iron Sheik, Sheiky Baby, with his camel. He says Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter, Sergeanta Slaughter, can't survive in the desert. No, they can't. Iron Sheik can't say desert for some reason. Lord Alfred Hayes comes in, says the camel smells bad. And apparently had used the floor for... uh other purposes as well and so lord alfred hayes had stepped in it yeah he didn't want any of the other people there on the set to step in it iron sheik then gives the iranian name of the camel and vince says what does that stand for and iron sheik in all seriousness says oh it stands for claude (laughs) so after like this 30 second iranian name yeah he really he does he goes you know what Abu Ashibata, you know, he goes on for like 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden, what what does that mean in English, Claude? What, what is this camel's, uh, what do you call him in Arabic? Uh, just like I said, I got Ali Sarabune, Midden Shotoro Koja Bechabune. His name is. That's a long name, isn't it? Exactly. When you say giddy up and he goes, this is a word, what would be an American equivalent of that? Claude. Beg your pardon? Claude. Oh, <laughs> it took you all of, all of that time to exactly okay, yes. we thank you very much for bringing this camel on and and, <laughs> and that makes Vince laugh and that was a pretty cheeky meant every word that he said though it didn't oh, yeah. seem like he was acting in this explanation for the, the camel's <laughs> I mean, name just, it really is hilarious that I hope you do put in because that it is hilarious. Gorilla tosses to yet another TNT highlight. This one with Freddie Blassie, Kimchi, and a famous performing chicken. So you expect yes. the San Diego chicken to show up? No, it's just a chicken in the cage. They plan on feeding Kamala the chicken on the air, which would have been pretty awesome had it actually happened. It did. Probably would have got him kicked off the air. Vince won't let Kamala eat the chicken alive. So then they lift up the cage. Kamala goes after the chicken. They go to commercial break. We come back, and Kamala is eating bones. He has picked the bird clean. Yeah. Feathers all in his beard. From being alive a few minutes ago, it is totally, it's just bones now. Well, you can't have a blooper 
real without some midget wrestling, right? So we get Danny Carpenter taking on the Haiti Kid. The Haiti Kid bites Danny Carpenter's ass, and Danny Carpenter shows the ref his bitten ass. The Haiti Kid hits a couple of slingshots to Carpenter and slings him into the ref. And Carpenter... He lands on the referee, so what does the Haiti Kid do? Counts to three. One, two, three. Yeah, Danny Carpenter pinned the ref. It didn't count, though. Haiti Kid then hits a nasty headbutt, which I actually... It was the most violent thing on here. I don't know why this thing was rated TV-14, by the way. But he hit a nasty headbutt to Carpenter, covers him, but Carpenter throws him into the arms of the ref who catches him. And then the Haiti Kid hits the ref. And that is our entire highlight here. I'm not exactly sure what you're supposed to get out of that, but okay. That was your body slams. Some of our body slams, sure. We go back to another TNT highlight. It's Ivan Putsky teaching everyone the Polish polka, and we get to watch the incredible Vince McMahon and his dancing skills with his high leg kicks. It looked like he was in a hoedown, not in a Polish polka. (laughs) This guy, he was dancing like he walks, so just envision that. The Vince McMahon walk in dance form. One of the more famous highlights they show is Hulk Hogan teaching us about python powder on TNT, and so he's joined with Lord Alfred Hayes and Vince McMahon. All you have to do, Patrick, to look like Hulk Hogan is take 12 vitamins and drink this protein shake, and your life will change. That's right. Alfred does not really want to drink this shake. No. Vince, naturally. Vince, The Hulkamaniac. Vince isn't going to take his vitamins, but he's going to pick it up and drink the protein shake, and it's really very good. He's loving it. He's, you know. So now it's peer pressure time, and Hulk Hogan and Vince sort of force Alfred to drink this protein shake. Alfred, though, turns green and vomits it up. I'm willing. You're you're going to love it. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. You're going to ask for more. You might even. Oh, look at that. All right, Alfred. Yeah. What do you think? What's your reaction? <laughs> I don't think Alfred likes it. Okay, I apologize, but I don't think Alfred likes it. Off camera, but he starts to vomit as yes. he runs away. If they were actually selling the protein shake, this is not a very good endorsement for no. their product. No. Captain Lou, it's time for his romance advice segment, just like Freddie Blassie's. Oh, I love this. Now this made me laugh. A lady writes in she's upset because her husband won't wear deodorant. So Captain Lou advises that you should wear olive oil, rubbing alcohol, hazel, and shaving lotion and just rub it all over your body. Yeah. Trim the hair under your arms and just, you know, rub it up under there. Good to go. You're good to go. He he knew that combination way too easy. Yeah, this it, it sounded very authentic. Letter number two, the husband, he's fat. The wife wants to know about the fat man's guide to ecstasy. <laughs> Captain Lou says, why don't you lose weight? No one likes fat people. Vince McMahon then says, uh, well, how do you describe your physique, Captain Lou? And then he just kind of bullshits his way through there and <laughs> says it's all muscle. This fat is actually muscle. It is. Doesn't look like that, but it is. Uh, many feel my husband is obese. Well, something I, am, I can't stand for. I'm uh, told that there's a guide out that's called the Fat Person's Guide to Ecstasy. 
Do you know about such a guide, Mr. Albano? Well, first of all, I don't really appreciate fat people, so let me tell your husband this. He better get on the ball and try to get that weight down because you don't want to damage the uh, vascular, the pulmonary artery, or so forth. And my best advice Albano, would be excuse to... Excuse me, but before you refer, how would you categorize yourself? I don't call that fat. That's only muscle. I mean, you don't realize the uh, muscle uh, toning in that, so let's not... It's merely an optical illusion. Well, are you but aware of the Fat Person's Guide to Estesy? Yes, I've heard about the Fat Person's Guide, and... Uh, Who wrote that? Uh, you, it was wrote by Rodney Eastgaven and uh, Dr. Popovnik in California, a very eminent psychologist and gynecologist. But he what, wrote what this, sort of uh, advice? for women and men, and the advice he gives uh, is to follow a low-carbohydrate diet. In other words, try to keep under 20 grams of carbohydrate a day. Well, Basically, go ahead, McMahon. I think the guide, if in fact this lady, she's asking for, she's not asking for nutritional advice here. Right. She's asking for a guide, I would assume, with, with the fat people to, uh, to enjoy themselves a little bit more. Well, you can enjoy yourself. I mean, you can look at yourself, look at yourself as a great person. In other words, fat is not all bad, you know? In other words, there's some fat people out there, I know a few, that are still not bad people. I mean, of course, I don't like fat, but there are fat people that are okay. So, you know, all them fat mamas out there, they love me at all. Don't feel bad, I'm not making fun of you. Now, look at yourself, get in the mirror, strip down. Look into the mirror and say, hey, I feel great. <laughs> I used to do that when I was fat. But now, let me tell you, also, you've got to know, you've got to get on a nutritional deal. You can eat all you want, anything you want, but Mr. always swallow half. Letter number three, the husband wears cowboy boots all the time and he's got stinky feet. Captain Lou rambles on and says that you could just wear your cowboy boots into a bathtub full of alcohol and let the alcohol dump into the cowboy boots and that yeah. should take care of your problem. Yeah, that'll fix your stinky feet. Apparently, he never takes them off. So. Never, and he, he said it, he'll hate to be there the day that the the husband unfortunately passes away and someone has to take those boots off. Oh, yeah. But I think that if you wore your cowboy boots every day, you'd want to wear it into the grave, right? Because, I mean, you're pretty dedicated. I mean, apparently you wore them into the shower, too, so... Yeah. You know, this man never took them off, ever, so I don't know. Up next, a cooking segment with the Wild Samoans. They throw raw fish onto the butcher's block. I gotta be honest with you, I love Afonsica, but this made me literally physically sick to my stomach. Well, yeah. <laughs> Alfred has to block his nostrils as they chop the fish's head off and throw it in boiling water. Then one of them grabs the guts, the uh, Samoans do, and both the Samoans take bites out of these raw guts. Yes. They went a long way to get this gimmick over. One was the heart and the other was the stomach, and they literally just took a bite out of them. Vince says, hey, Alfred, uh, would you like a taste? Certainly not. So then they put some hot sauce on some fish guts, put it on a cracker, and once again, Alfred Hayes here is peer pressured into going along with this. Oh, my God. But anyway, Alfred takes a bite of the fish guts and doesn't puke. So by the Alfred Hayes... Tastometer. This tastes better than than this tastes better than Hulk Hogan's protein shake. Yes, because he does not throw up from no. this. They then put the fish head in a bowl for Alfred Hayes and put some guts in a bowl for Vince McMahon. So they go back to the desk. Vince says, "Well, it appears you have the head there, Lord Alfred. I think I would like the head." But they never exchange bowls, so I don't know what Vince was bitching about. <laughs> Alfred says this meal could give a cat rabies. Then. The Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson. Soul Man Rocky Johnson. And Tony Atlas take on the Wild Samoans. 
For the belts, the tag team titles are on the line. Captain Lou, though, fucks all this up and hits the Samoans over the head with one of those really hard wooden chairs. Really hard. And shatters it. The ref had taken a ref bump, so he didn't see it. So he costs his own team the tag team titles. He then goes on TNT and says, those Samoans, they should have been tougher. (laughs) So that's it. Time for a little bit of Italian flair as Salvatore Bolomo is going to make pizza for Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes. They get out the Chef Boyardee hat, and the hat is too big for Vince's head. Real Italians don't use a rolling pin, Patrick. Mama don't use a rolling pin. And then there's an Italian band singing to the crew as they make pizza. Mama Bolomo. Mama Bolomo teach me that. Yes. And Alfred Litt. Please let the gentleman do his own. You have powder all over your nose. That's probably not the first time I've seen it. I'm not too sure. Let's have a little music, baby. Uh, and that's that clip. Yeah. This next clip, there was some good in this next clip. Not from the people, the talent involved, but the people on the street made this next clip. As Dick Murdoch needed to understand his partner, Adrian Adonis. So they went to each other's homelands. Adrian Adonis rode a bull and fell off and was not used to country life where Dick Murdoch grew up. So now it's time for Dick Murdoch to come to New York City. And this segment looked like it was completely improvised on the street. And yeah, that they, they're, they're running into, like, homeless people and, and stuff. And they gave them free tickets. Yeah. Because the guy who played Uncle Joe, <laughs> Mean Gene, escorts Dick Murdoch and Adonis through the streets. And they walk up to, yeah, homeless people or just random people on the streets. And so Adrian Adonis says, like, oh, yeah, this is my Aunt uh, Edna here. Yeah, this is Aunt Edna. And she's like, no, I'm not. I don't know you. Go away. <laughs> so then they go to the next person, and he's like, oh, this is... uh." Uncle Joe here. And now Uncle Joe plays along because apparently they gave him free tickets or something. So yeah. he plays along and then one of his friends walks in and is like, oh, hey, you're not his uncle, but they gave us free tickets so we'd play along. And so this looks really awesome. Is this, is this Aunt yeah, Sophie? How Hi, how are you today? Very good. Do you know Adrian Adonis, world tag team champion? No. Well, he grew up in this neighborhood. Have you lived here long? All my life. I never saw him. Wait a minute, Adrian Adonis. Do you know this lady? I thought this was Aunt Sophie. Or no, no, maybe a case, maybe a case of mistaken identity. That's excuse me. That's quite obvious. Hold it. There's somebody up there. All right, get back in the house. Get back in the house. Get back in the house. Is is this somebody? Is that somebody you know? Hey, what is this? Just a second, sir. Hey, Uncle Joe. Is this Uncle Joe? Is this how are you? Uh, Uncle Joe, how are you doing today? Terrific. Terrific. You look good. He Be vice president Chase Manhattan in the morning, but I forgot which brand. <laughs> <laughs> Always quick well, in the morning. Yes, Always I'll quick tell in you, the morning. It's good. You don't well, have it for 53, doesn't he? 53? Yes. 53. Okay. Take this, my Uncle Joe. I want you to meet Dick Murdoch. Hey, how are you? Hello, Hello Uncle Joe. How you doing, Uncle Joe? I know we're on the Hey, he gets like that. I like that, yes. Very good. You two guys winning that day. By God, uh, they said I well, couldn't be done. Well, you got the free ticket. Forget about it. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You don't pay these gentlemen <laughs> off. There's no okay. such thing as a free ticket. <laughs> That's why it says mean and nasty. Mean and nasty. There's no Thank such you. thing as a free lunch. And you no. All right. We've got to move on. We've got to move on. 
Someone from the apartment building recognized Adrian Adonis, though, so Adonis must have gotten around New York City at some point, because the woman in the building definitely acted like she knew yes. who he was. So then they find a broken fire hydrant, and Adonis says, I grew up really rough, man. I had to take a shower. I used to take a shower in this broken fire hydrant. And then they see a, a homeless dog, and he's like, oh, that's Old Red. Come here, Old Red. And this dog, which had never seen them before, responded to him. I mean, that's pretty marvelous yeah. that, that he got, that they found this dog to respond. Of course, they're hungry from all this walking around, so they need to go to the hot dog cart. Adrian Adonis buys one hot dog for him and Dick Murdoch to share. What a fucking cheapskate, I thought this was, as they both took a bite out of the hot dog. And then Mean Gene is like, I'm not picking up the tab. And Gorilla's like, oh, I guess that's why they call him Mean Gene. There you go. That dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> now we go to some body slam highlights, which if you watch the opening of this video, you saw them all because they just re-ran the exact same thing in the middle of this tape. Same thing. More romantic advice from Tuesday Night Titans with Johnny Valiant. Johnny, what's a girl to do when her man doesn't measure up to WWF superstars? Johnny says, just be happy with what you got. Exactly. Johnny, my wife and I emulate some of the wrestlers we see. I put on a mask. I put a mask on my wife, and it really improved things. Valiant says, well, maybe she had serious burns. So maybe he's alluding to Kane's storyline here in the future. A little bit of premonition here. Valiant says, hey, nothing wrong with masks, pal. Dear Vince, I'm into ugly men. Could you introduce me to some ugly men? Valiant says, I'll introduce you to, naturally, Hulk Hogan. Then Vince asks about Ed Leslie, Brutus Beefcake. Where would you rate him on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, he's like a 15. And then, of course, well, who do you think's ugly? All the faces. All the good guys are ugly. Dear Vince, my fantasy is to be in a 16-man battle royal. Proceed. Which I think China would participate in, in an adult film, yeah, I many don't, years later. I don't think this is what... This young lady was meaning... Yeah. Valiant didn't understand the question. He said, well, it depends on what kind of rules you're running. Vince says, tries to put it lightly that she wants to be in a gangbang. But my favorite fantasy is being involved in a 16 to 20 man battle royal. Do you think I'm unusual? Uh, first, I'd have to say, what kind of a group plan do you have? Do you have an uh, open-end policy? Do you have a, a group coverage? Do you have... Uh, a type of deal, a double indemnity, do you have a disability clause in your contract? In other words, anybody would want to encounter a 16 to 20 man battle royal, even a 10 man battle royal, they have to have kind of a death wish type situation, Vince. I mean, that's a situation where somebody's, number one, sick, number one, they're into pain, number one, they're not into longevity, number one, they have no loved ones or somebody they're waiting for them at the end of the shower. I don't think that's what they mean when they say involved in a battle royal. I don't think that they really want to be physically involved in the over the top rope portion of the battle royale. I don't think that's what they had in mind. What did they have in mind? They want to they partake of it? Do they want to see it? Or they want to watch it? Or what do they want to do? I, I mean, mean, clarify yourself. I'm not, I, don't, I cannot speak for this person. I would assume that this person would, in some fashion, fantasizes about being in the ring with 16 to 20 men in a, some sort of their own concoction of a battle royal. That's what I'm saying. Anybody that want to partake, that's like jumping into the battle of balls. That's like jumping into uh, the Iwo Jima. That's like jumping into, uh, into uh, Pearl Harbor. That's like jumping into the middle of the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? With no pads, with no helmet, with no cleats, with no game plan, with no nothing. Anybody would jump into a battle royal with 16 men, 12 men. That's why I say Brutus Beefcake. We thank you. 
We thank you very much. You don't have to thank me. I just took the time. But Valiant just says, well, (laughs) they'd be sick if they tried it. Or something. Gorilla tosses to another famous clip. That, that's your that's your reason it's PG fourteen right there. But no one ever says gangbang. It's all implied. Gorilla tosses to an interview of Andre the Giant from Tuesday Night Titans. He says he wants to sing his fish song, but before he does, he covers Alfred Hayes' entire face and neck with his hand. This man's hand. It's very big. Andre then goes to sing his fish song, and it's just Andre swimming and opening his mouth like a fish. It's just him imitating a fish, not actually singing. Now it's time for a very famous segment, probably the most famous segment on here. Rowdy Roddy Piper is with Captain Lou and Cindy Lauper, who had Captain Lou in her music video. Captain Lou says he wrote time after time, and he wants Cindy to tell everyone that women belong in the kitchen. That's true. And Cindy should have gotten... An Academy Award for her acting here, because she really, I really believe she was upset here. Well, she, she slapped the hell out of Yes, him. she gets very upset with Lou. Lou says he's all over that music video. Cindy then puts it honestly and says, you're in it for like one second, which is something the WWE would never tell you now. In WWE history, he's the star of the video. Cindy then gets very upset, throws the table that they were sitting behind over, then, yeah, attacks Piper and Albano with her purse. Cindy, just shut up for a minute, Cindy. Tell them what I did for you, Cindy. Tell them how you... Hold that up, hold that up. Tell them how you came off my reputation, Cindy. Captain Lou Albano, how all women are nothing, Cindy. They're slime. How it takes a man to make a woman... I saw the video myself, and I know what he's done. Yeah, about one second in the yeah, video. No, what are you, no, crazy? No, no, no. It was a big segment, Cindy. You wrote off of me, Cindy. Wait a second. Wait a second. I saw, I saw the video myself. Now, you can't come out here and tell me that this man is a liar. I'm not calling him a liar. I don't want to get mad. Now, don't get me mad. Wait a second. We don't care who gets mad. I'll tell you something. Just wait a second, young lady. I don't care what you think. Just a minute, Cindy. I want you to be honest. Tell him how I took you abroad, hanging around What? Abroad? Go ahead, tell him a barroom broad naked, Cindy. Go ahead, Cindy, tell him the truth, Cindy. And then security goons whisk her away. Piper kept wearing his hand back. I believe he thought about decking her, but... In a different time, he definitely would have decked her. Yes. More body slam sizzle reel. You've already seen it. And then our closing bit. The big payoff to this hour and 20 minute tape. Well, what hell, you've this all was, been waiting for. This was 45 minutes of it right here. Boy, this dragged on and on forever, yes. The Paul the Butcher Vashon wedding on Tuesday Night Titans which they invested absolutely nothing in this set for the wedding. It was... Yeah, nothing. It literally was... It looked like it was shot in my basement, which is all wooden paneled. It looked exactly the same. They opened gifts. Captain Lou. Cinema box of rubbers. Rubber bands. Ba-dum-bum. Fred Blassie sent eyeglasses so that the wife could see the cheap diamond on her new wedding band, and she could use them to find her next husband. 
Georgie Animal Steel, it's time for toasts, everybody. Of course, Georgie Animal Steel can't speak. Pumpernickel! That's what kind of toast he wants. Thank you, Georgie Animal Steel. (laughs) Captain Lou decides to toast his tag team, the Samoans, because they're pretty awesome. Jesse Ventura. All the heels are in attendance tonight for the wedding. Jesse Ventura says, You know what? The scum always rises to the top of the water. Which was <laughs> my favorite part, probably, of this thing. This one, this one re- is very profound if you think about it. The scum always rises to the top of the water. And then, a big appearance, everybody. Dr. D, who's most famous for punching John Stossel in the face... <laughs> Appears, which he would be fired within a year. So this is really awesome. Dr. D has this to say. Bleep. (laughs) The longest bleep I've ever heard. And even in the Attitude Era, I don't think I've heard a bleep this long. (laughs) Perhaps you, uh, Dr. D, uh, perhaps a toast to the bride and groom. No, I don't want to toast nobody, man. You've been running around here talking to all the over here you've been talking to the Samoans you've been talking to English people you come here like I'm a piece of trash or garbage I don't want to toast nobody I toast myself is all I toast now you can get that mic out of my face because I'm feeling really hostile you know what I mean I've been feeling hostile all night towards everybody and I don't appreciate the way you people treat me so just I don't even want to talk to you right now I'm fixing to open this champagne and I just hope I hope it don't go in your face Dr. D. David Schultz this was really awesome. Whatever he said was re- <laughs> really bad. Did I? I can't remember. They they blurred his mouth, right? No, I don't think they blurred his mouth. But I can't read lips, and it was from the side angle. Yeah. So I tried reading his lips, but I couldn't remember. Like I couldn't tell the way he had. Like you said, from the angle, it was very difficult. But it was quite hilarious. He also threatens to pop a champagne cork in Vince's face. Then we get a wonderful moment where Captain Lou decides to burp into the microphone. And they show this highlight four times because Vince loves burping and farting. So naturally, you need to see this over and over again. Captain Lou then heads up to the wedding band and decides it's time to sing and starts getting naked. Uh-oh. Things are getting out of control. Very quickly. He does some wedding singing. The Samoans then hoist the midget wrestler into the air who was in attendance, which is Sky Lolo. They hoist Sky Lolo into the air, and it's time for him to sing, too. Oh, well, it's time for the new bride and groom to eat the cake. Well, the wife doesn't want to eat the cake of the butcher, Paul Vachon, so Dr. D is tired of all this bullshit and said... The man said to eat cake, so we're going to eat some damn cake. And he slams it into her face. Then Sky Lolo gets a pie to the face, and now it's just a pie fight. Everybody is throwing pies. Vince eventually gets pied by Dr. D. Vince pies George the Animal Steel. Someone hits the world's lightest chair shot to Lord Alfred. I'm not sure who it was. It was like, eh. These, were li- these weren't folding chairs. These were just, like, school lunch chairs. Yes. They all throw shit everywhere and break the set. Moolah throws a pie long distance. 
and connects with Vince, which I thought was really good. The band decides, you know what, we'll play. We'll play. You know, just like the Titanic going down. We'll play as Tuesday Night Titans goes down. The band decides to play as chaos ensues. And then we have a smash cut of a few highlights that we've already seen on the tape. And the tape ends. Abruptly. And that is bleeps, bloopers, and body slams. The first ever Coliseum home video. And uh, you can tell. It is not very great. It was rough. It was very rough. No, from the title of it, I thought there would be more outtakes and stuff. Candid stuff that you couldn't see. Right. On the shows. Instead, it was just whatever Vince thought was funny from TNT. He put it on this tape. Card subject to change? Yeah, video title subject to change because this did not have... It had that one bleep of Dr. D... It had the one blooper from Gorilla Monsoon, and it had a few body slams. So technically, they checked all the boxes, but they didn't really. Correct. You got you got one of each one, one time. Congrats. That's all I have to do. Hey, we told you. Though the S at the end of the word, bleeps and bloopers, would in- indicate more than one, but okay, fine. You got my $20. Yeah, I'm not sure how much tape sold for in 1985, because I wasn't alive yet, but this is definitely a skippable uh, show. Yes. Uh, do, do not watch this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, do not watch this. No, I would just watch Tuesday Night Titans if you have any interest in anything that happened here. I actually thought some of the Tuesday Night Titans segments were cool. It kind of made me want to check out the show more, because... I think it was a really unique idea at the time. Well, the Andre Fish song actually was... It went on to be about 35, 40 minutes because he's... Uh, he he says he wants to sing a song. We go to a commercial. He comes back. He gets the band to slowly start playing, and uh, he, uh, he's got a... He finally gets them going a steady beat, and he finally gets Vince with the tambourine going a steady beat and all this... And he gets, you know, a woman out there to finally hold the microphone. The original, it went about 35, So it takes 40. all episode for this yeah. non-payoff. Yes, but they had shortened it rather quickly for for this uh, bloopers, bleeps, and body slams. Yeah, I, I, I'm just very disappointed. I'm sorry that I picked it, but I didn't know what to expect. I just expected more. But I guess I shouldn't have expected more because this company is so very selective about what they want you to see, you know. Yeah. They don't... Vince doesn't want to... I mean, he'll look like an asshole when it's planned, but not when it's not planned. Like, you know, they want to craft an image, you know, a certain way. And so I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, but I would be very pissed off if I had gotten this tape. Oh, yeah. If you actually spent money on this, you got ripped off. Because there's not even that much wrestling on it. No. And like you say, the segments are chopped up in such a way sometimes that it doesn't even make that much sense. Like, yeah. Like, especially like that pizza segment, that could have been cut completely. It was... There was nothing to it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that was uh, my pick for this week. Was Patrick, rough. on our rating scale... I would say this is even worse than the chaperone. 
Which you didn't even make it through the chaperone. No, I didn't make it through the chaperone. But this is 30 minutes shorter than the chaperone. Yeah, I made it through this, but it was rough. On our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, bleeps, bloopers, and body slams from 1985, where would you rank this? Sky Lolo. Sky Lolo, that's a good one. I think I will concur this week, and we will have the same rating this week. Which might be a first. I don't remember if we've done that before. We might have done it once or twice before, but I'm in agreement. This yeah. is uh, really bad. And I thought that the hour and ten minutes or whatever would zip right by, but when I was in the middle of it, I was like, uh-oh, we got some trouble here. Because I looked at the the little like the timeline at the bottom, and I saw that the dot was square in the middle, and I was like, oh, See, no. yours had a dot. Mine didn't even have a dot. To jump around. No, there was no jumping around, no. But I just saw from start to finish those two. Like, it was dead center. No. Yeah, it would have been nice had they put those markers like they do in pay-per-views where you you could could jump to the next segment or whatever. Yeah. No, there's none of that here. None. Well, Patrick, that was my pick for this week. I don't imagine you'll want the next Coliseum Home video release, so where will we be going next week? No, I'm going to try to resurrect uh, this show somewhat here. We're going to go back into time because, you see, we're talking about the Hall of Fame and I'm feeling a little royal. I'm feeling a little, a little kind of like a king, you know. So we're going we're gonna to venture back into a time where the new generation was making that turn. The new generation was was forming in a night in which I believe personally that it made that full turn into the attitude. We're going to witness King of the Ring 1996, which is an outstanding pay-per-view, the likes of which few and far have ever imagined it being with the you know the ultimate warrior against Jerry the King Lawler. The the down-and-out legend, Jake the Snake Roberts, can he finally, he's fought his way through, can he finally, after all he's been through, make it to become King of the Ring? We also have Ahmed Johnson challenging Goldust for the IC belt, Mankind taking on The Undertaker, and then in our main event, Shawn Michaels will take on the British Bulldog. With Mr. Perfect outside the ring as a special outside enforcer. A perfect enforcer, if you will. So that's where we will go to King of the Ring 1996 from June 23rd, 1996 for episode 68 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Patrick, where can they find you on the interwebs? Uh, Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling on Facebook. You can also uh, hit us up at Retro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. What about you, Alex? Well, you can head over to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. That will take you directly to our Twitter page. And, of course, the Retro Wrestling Podcast Facebook page. Uh, That's where you can find me. I'm always cruising through there and finding very interesting things. So there you go. That'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. 
saying as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bingo. <laughs>